unfamiliar with the case of Maria Abu Jamal. However, um, there are other people out there who the case might be new to. So we're going to uh, send this uh, information to a zillion people, and we encourage you viewers out there to share this information with a zillion people. The case of Mumia Abu Jamal. <clears throat> I will begin by talking about something that many, many people know about, which is caused outrage around the world, the sham that they called a trial of Mumia Abu Jamal. Um, to look at some of the evidence in that case. Um, one of the most outrageous aspects of that trial was the false confession. The police officer who was with Mumia while he was uh, recuperating in the hospital and had just had medical attention said originally that the prisoner made no comments. Three months later, the same officer claimed, changed that story and claimed that Mumia said, yeah, I shot him and I hope the MF dies. You know, that's one of the um, outrageous um, aspects, you know, and like I say, the, the, uh, the, the facts of the case have outraged people all over the world because these folks, they go around pretending uh, these subhuman beings, the system of subhuman beings, go around pretending to be human, and they have stolen language from uh, the language of ideals. They've stolen from it, you know, to uh, talk a good show, but when it comes to uh, carrying out their crimes, their behavior, what they do is the opposite. It's a contradiction, you know, and this case is an example of that. Uh, another aspect of the case is the bullet fragment, you know, uh, the, um, the, the, the medical examiner who did the autopsy first says that the bullet was a 44. Mumia's gun was a 38, you know, uh, mysteriously, uh, this piece of vital evidence was lost, you know, uh, you know, how could a very, very vital piece of evidence like this, you know, which, uh, connected to, to the caliber of a gun, you know, that was used, you know, be lost, okay? Uh, another aspect is the witnesses. Veronica Jones and Cynthia White, both of them, to save their own skin because of uh, charges they had gotten, you know, they were prostitutes, to save their own skin, you know, they testified that they witnessed that they were both of them and recanted their testimony and said they was offered a deal you understand, to lie and say that they witnessed it. Uh, there's no witnesses, there's no one that, that, that places Cynthia White at the scene of the crime at all, so she's talking about something that she had no uh, uh, no knowledge of whatsoever, you know. Um, uh, another uh, another aspect is that uh, Mumia has sh shifted the testing of the strategy uh, of his case to a political strategy uh, citing that that Arnold Beverly who claimed well, Arnold Beverly who uh, confessed 
to the crime, you understand, confessed to being uh, working undercover with the cops, uh, targeted and killed uh, uh, Daniel Faulkner because Daniel Faulkner was messing up the police's corruption and bribery, you know, and their prostitution, um, you know, their involvement in, in, in the uh, 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 in, in narcotics, you know, that he was messing that up. So Arnold Beverly admitted that he was the shooter, you know, and uh, this is very, very strong uh, uh, thing in favor of Mumia, you know, as Mumia said, the, the rules of law in uh, appeals cases, they change like the wind, you know, for example, uh, the effective death penalty, which uh, was a move that the uh, state came with, um, now to, uh, makes it more difficult for uh, prisoners who are charged with capital crimes to testify in front of federal courts. Uh, Mumia had wanted to testify in front of the federal courts because uh, they have a, a, a more a positive record of overturning cases, you know, involving capital crimes than the state courts, you know. Uh, so right now, it is up to the, to the discretion of Judge Yon as to whether or not uh, the case will be heard in federal court. Judge Yon is the judge who uh, 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 overturned the death penalty for Mumia. Yes, it, that, that death penalty was overturned um, in 2011. It was an uh, effort because of the work of a number of organizations, and right. Mumia has been sentenced since uh, since he was 28. So he's been incarcerated more time, uh, longer than he actually been free. So-called free. Um, right. I just right, wanted to right. add that in, brother. But, right. And to that point, you know, we must add that uh, Mumia being alive today's testimony to the power of the people, because if it wasn't for the power of the people, Mumia would have been, had, had been executed. I think that the year of the execution was 87, so be executed. And, you know, uh, it's kind of demonic that he was scheduled to be executed on Marcus Garvey's birthday, August 17th. You know, and it was through uh, the people raising hell internationally that Mumia is alive today. So this tells us today that the power of the people, you know, can set Mumia free, you know, uh, demand a new trial, you know, uh, uh, demand a, a, a great concern, you know, for his for his case being heard in the feds, you know, and the. Uh, you know, and for all political offenders, you know, some people have the uh, idea that the state, this uh, this way, this racist uh, system, is omnipotent, is godlike, and ain't nothing they can do. You understand? The case of Mumia, you understand, falsifies that notion. You know, so we got to feel in our blood, in our in our brain, you understand, in our very being that we have the power. To set Mumia free and to free a local prisoner. So never give up. You know, too many people out here just, just give up this defeatist attitude in the streets all the time, you know, and that's something that, that, that we campaign against. You understand? Never give up, uh, feeling that efforts will be in vain. There ain't nothing we can do because there's a whole bunch that we can do, you know, and the MOVE organization, you understand, uh, and the friends uh, and family of Mumia Abu Jamal have. Uh, done some expert, some outstanding organizing and activities over the um, 
over the decades, you know, uh, with the objective of saving Mumia's life and freeing Mumia, you know. So that's something that we can look into, and uh, we suggest that people listen to the words of Mumia Abu-Jamal. There's many videos by Mumia that's online, you understand, you can go to YouTube, look up Mumia Abu-Jamal videos, and there's many, many of them. You know, Mumia wrote a book called Life and Death Row, and right now he's writing a book called Murder Incorporated. And like he said in an interview, that he got this name, Linda Bain Johnson, who had said that uh, we are GD Murder Incorporated down in South America. And Mumia said, indeed they are, that the United, United States government acts like Murder Incorporated in South America. And that's where he got the name of the book from. So look for that. You know, it's coming up. He's writing it right now. It's, it's read, um, that book is done already. And it's I was, done already. Yes, oh, I, read it, uh, I read the book. I mean, well, I read some of the book. I haven't read the oh, entire right book. Right but I got to get my hands on it again. Um, and I think that you, you should read it because what he does and what he's done in his um, work before that is he um, documents what's been going on right in on. the past right. and connects it to the present. Right and then this way you know what's going to happen in the future. In yeah. one of the interviews, he said, join the organization. If you don't like our organization, be a part of another organization, but you have to be a part of the organization. And I think that that's very important because Mumia, despite his current situation, he understands theory and practice. He understands there has to be a balance between theory and practice. You can't continue to theorize things over and over again and then don't do anything because now you become ineffective. And uh, Mumia understands the importance of organizing and putting things to practice. And that's how you uh, become effective. And that's how you bring about change. I was watching one interview and I thought that it was very um, important what he was saying because he said that if they had achieved their desired um, outcome, the, when I say they, I'm talking about the, uh, the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense, then our lives would have been different. So what he was doing and what he's saying is that it's the one generation's responsibility to make the lives of another generation better. And I think that that's very important because he's wasting no time being selfish. He's always thinking about the, the collective, the group. And I think that that's very important. So we need to act like Mumia and be unselfish. We need to uh, participate in his freedom by uh, supporting the organization, by doing our work. And that's why we put out these podcast episodes every week because we want uh, people to share. We encourage uh, 10 people to share. With uh, we, we encourage everyone to share with at least 10 people because yeah. those 10 people can share with another 10 people and then the so idea on, can so grow. On, so on, so on. Exactly, because that's how that's the formula for uh, acquiring a desired outcome. And I think that Mumia's case is worth it. He's been um, committed to our struggle from behind bars. He's been on pre prison radio. He's been writing books, and he doesn't stop. And I think that that's very important. He has respect from other uh, countries, and uh, they recognize him, I think, in France or somewhere. They had a, actually a street named after him. So I thought that that was uh, remarkable, to tell you the truth, because it's uh, letting us know that you can impact wherever you're at. You just have to be committed, and you have to uh, create allies and um, stand on a certain principle. And regardless of what's happening to you, you remain on that uh, principle because that's that idea that's going to uh, get you your desired outcome. So we always say that uh, we have to do our part because Mumia has done his part. And I think that um, 
this is a very important issue, um, episode, and we ask people to uh, give us some feedback. If you have a comment, make a comment, and uh, let us exchange thoughts. You can contact us at 347-679-3936. i gladly talk to you. Uh, my name is Brother Frank, and I'm with my brother and former political prisoner, Abdul Haq. So, Abdul Haq, you got any more to say to the people? Well, you know, I was saying, you know, give Mumia some love. He gave us some love. You know, uh, it's, uh, you know, a very, very difficult thing, you know, putting your life on the line. And, uh, you know, that's what he did, you know, uh, for our people, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, indeed, you know, his life was, was threatened, you understand? Yes. And, uh, you know, he was facing death. Exactly. Know, for real, you know, not just seeing it as a cliche, but, but literally, you know, and, um, you know, we should become familiar with uh, all the uh, factors in this case and, you know, uh, get hip to the system that must pretend that it is really about all the uh, bull jive that they claim this about, you know, as, as a necessity, you understand, to play the con game on people you know, over the, over the decades and over the centuries, you know, uh, but we must uh, dig up the real history of what yes. it actually does. Yes. Know? And the case of Mumia Abu Jamal, you know, is a major crime against us, against our people, against humanity. You know, this is the system as it actually is, you know, and not the daydream that it tries to, that it tries to sell us. And I was about to, you know, when I, when I said that uh, Mumia was writing the book, that was based on a tape that I had seen uh, a while ago when he said that he was in the process of writing a book, but Brother Frank, you know, revealed that the book is done, you know. Yes. So we encourage people to read that book, you know, uh, where he, uh, you know, explains, you know, what this uh, the system really is, the system that uh, condemns those who stand up against it, you know, our political prisoners, you know, that, that to them that is a crime, that is the most hateful thing to a system, you understand, that is strive on bloodshed, murder, and criminality, crimes against humanity, you know, uh, that is the very essence of terror, and, you know, call somebody else a terror, you know. Um, George Goebbels, uh, uh, not, not George Goebbels, uh, you, you, Joseph Goebbels, you understand, the uh, Minister of Propaganda for Hitler said that the accuse your enemy of that which you are guilty of. And that's what the system does. A system that is guilty of the worst crimes imaginable, the, the worst tortures, the most inhuman, the most Frankensteinian type of consciousness, you understand, accuses other people of this. So, you know, let's get up on the reality what's really going down. And uh, I want to mention also before I go uh, when I say the name Clarence Thomas, y'all know who comes to mind, but there's an author named Clarence Thomas, who ain't that Clarence Thomas, Thomas you understand, who's organizing right now a million workers march, and has written a book called Mobilizing Our Own Name, and in that book, you know, he talks about the case of Mumia Abu-Jamal, supports Mumia Abu-Jamal, so those, those are some more readings, you understand, that people can, can, uh, can get and to, uh, you know, strengthen the whole argument, you know, we say, uh, free Mumia, free them all. Free them all! 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 
Yes, that's very important, you know, what you just said. And I think that what we want to look at is the, the influence of entertainers, right? You had Colin Kaepernick. He had spoke out on behalf of um, Mumia. You had uh, Danny Glover. He spoke out on behalf of Mumia. And I just want to speak right now about what actually Colin Kaepernick has uh, spoke. And this is in the Jamal Journal. So get that Jamal Journal because it details uh, Mumia's situation and um, those who support Mumia. So this statement from activist football player Colin Kaepernick was released on November 16, 2020. When I was invited to speak on behalf of Mumia, one of the first things that came to mind was how long he's been in prison, how many years of his life had been stolen away from him, his community, and his loved ones. He's been incarcerated for 38 years. Mumia has been in prison longer than I've been alive. When I first spoke with Mumia on the phone, I did very little talking. I just listened. Hearing him speak was a reminder of why we must continue to fight. Earlier this year, the United Nations Human Rights Office of the High Commission issued a statement noting that prolonged solitary excuse me, confinement, the precise type often used in the United States, amounts to psychological torture. Umiya Abu-Jamal has spent roughly 30 of his 38 years in solitary confinement. In his book, Live from Death Row, Mumia wrote that prison is a second-by-second second assault on the soul, a day-to-day -day degradation of the self, an oppressive steel and brick umbrella that transforms seconds into hours and hours into days. Mm -hmm. He has had to endure his second-by-second second assault on his soul for 38 years. He had no record before he was arrested and framed for the death of a Philadelphia police officer. Since 1981, Mumia has maintained his innocence. His story has not changed. Mumia was shot, brutalized, arrested, and chained to a hospital bed. The first police officer assigned to him wrote in a report that the Negro male made no comment. Right. As cited in Philly Magazine, uh, Philly Mag. Yet 64 days into the investigation, another officer testified that Mumia had confessed to the killing. Mumia's story has not changed. But we're talking about the same Philadelphia <clears throat> police department whose behavior shocks the conscience, according to a 1979 on the mayor uh, DOJ report. On the mayor Rizzo, Hitler himself. Report. Uh, behaviors like shooting at nonviolent non suspects, abusing handcuffed prisoners, and tampering with evidence. It should therefore come as little surprise that according to Dr. Joe Hannah Fernandez, over one-third of the 35 officers involved in Mumia's case were subsequently convicted of rank corruption, extortion, and tampering with evidence to obtain convictions in unrelated cases. This is the same Philadelphia Police Department where officers ran racial profiling sweep like Operation Cold Turkey in March 1985 targeting black and brown folks and bombed the move house in May of that year, killing 11 people, including five children and destroying 61 homes. Mm, the wow. same Philadelphia Police Department whose officers eight days before the 2020 presidential election shot Walter Wallace Jr. dead in the streets in front of his crying mother. The Philadelphia Fraternal Order of Police has unrelentedly campaigned for Mumia's execution. 
During their August 1999 national meeting, a spokesperson for the organization stated that they will not rest until Abu Jamal burns in hell. The former Philadelphia president of the Fraternal Order of Police, Richard Costello, went as far as to say that if you disagree with their views of Mumia, you can join him in the electric chair and that they will make it an electric couch. The trial judge on Mumia's case in 1981, Albert Sabo, was a former member of the Fraternal Order of Police. Court reporter Terry Maura Carter even heard Judge Sabo telling a colleague, I'm going to help him fry the nigga. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Found in December 2018 in an inaccessible storage room of, me, of the DA's office. Six boxes of documents for Mumia's case revealed previously undisclosed and highly significant evidence showing that Mumia's trial was tainted by a failure to disclose material evidence in violation of the United States and Philadelphia constitutions. In November 2019, the Fraternal Order of Police filed a King's Bench petition asking the court to allow the state attorney general, not the Philadelphia DA's office, to handle the upcoming appeals. As the FOP, President John McNepsey said just last year, Mumia should remain in prison for the rest of his life. And a King's Bench order provides the legal angle for the Commonwealth of Philadelphia to uphold Judge Sabo's original wish, which was for Mumia ultimately to die in prison. Today, we're living through a moment where it's acceptable to paint end racism now in front of the Philadelphia Police Department's 26th District Headquarters. And yet a political prisoner who has since the age of 14 dedicated his life to fighting against racism continues to be caged and lives his life on a slow death now, the slow death road. We're in the midst of a movement that says Black Lives Matter, and if that's truly the case, then it means that Mumia's life and legacy must matter, and the causes that he sacrifices life and freedom for must matter as well. Through all of the torture Mumia has suffered over the past 38 years, his principles have not wavered. These principles have manifested themselves in his writing countless books while incarcerated in a successful radio show and the time and energy he has poured into his mentorship of younger incarcerated folks and a continued concern for the people suffering outside of the walls. Even while living in the hells of the prison system, Mumia still fights for our human rights. We must continue to fight for him and his human rights. Well, Mumia is 66 years old. He is a grandfather. He is an elder with ailments. He is a human being that deserves to be free. Free Mumia. Free Mumia. Free Mumia. Free Mumia. So that's uh, Colin Kaepernick, and uh, we salute him and uh, Danny Glover and any other celebrity had the courage to step up despite the ridicule from um, the state that they might receive because of their position in favor of Mumia's freedom. We like to thank them for that. We ask those... Um, who um, are unfamiliar with Mumia's case to get familiar with his case because as, as it was told to me by Jal uh, Jalil Abdul Mutakim, um, not to me directly, but to a group of people who participated in a, um, a program slash event um, via uh, um, uh, the media, the social media, that is, that um, you should be concerned about political prisons because at any time you can be one. And I thought that's, that's very important because... You, Abdul-Hawk, you were a former political prisoner, so you what is you know what it like it's like personally to be incarcerated because of a point of view. 
because of your stance. Mm-hmm. So you can relate that to that. And okay. I think that one of the things that Mumia said that made me really think about the torture that he's going through. He said, picture yourself being uh, in your bedroom 23 hours a day. That's what it's like uh, for him to be incarcerated. And he's mm-hmm. been incarcerated mm-hmm. for all for decades now. So yeah. he has to come home. He has to be home because he has so much to offer to us. And we have to be appreciative for what he has sacrificed us so far. And we have to do our part to bring him home. Because as I look at the Jamal Journal, this is how unselfish Mumia is. They have other political prisons on here. You have the campaign to bring Suniata Akoli home. The campaign to bring uh, Ed Point Dexter home. Uh, the campaign at the time to bring Russell Maroon Schultz home, which uh, we were and a number of organizations that is because I don't want to us to take uh, more credit than we deserve because we couldn't have did anything on our own. We have to work with other organizations uh, that got Russell Maroon um, shows home. So it's possible. And this Jamal Journal is not exclusive to Mumia. It's exclusive to political prisoners. And I think that that says a lot about who he is and what he stands for. Uh, When you're looking at him on, uh, uh, on YouTube, he's talking about the current conditions of uh, common people and black folks and uh, what they are up against. And uh, he makes no uh, compromise about his position. He, he identifies the system as being fundamentally flawed. Therefore, the only solution is revolution. So this is what he's uh, uh, standing on. And uh, if he's standing on that, that means that it's something that he's studying and it's something that he's committed to since he was 14. Because we with the Black Panther Party, and um, he knew their position, their stance, and he understood to be uh, an advocate for people's self determination. You have to be involved. Um, I just think that I have so much more to say, and I'm truly passionate when it comes to Mumia because um, just for somebody to be sentenced to die and not knowing what's going to happen, to still be courageous. You know what I mean? That's remarkable. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I think that uh, we have to really internalize that struggle. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we pretty much got everything, brother. Is any any last remarks that you have for the people? Uh, yeah. One um, one thing I want one major point that I want people to remember in regard in regard to Mumia's case is that this so-called right to freedom of speech ain't worth two dead flies. Mumia, you understand, um, because of his expert use of speech, uh, communication, to explain ideas, you understand, uh, this is why they hate him so much, you know, and um, if you are talking crazy and ain't talking about nothing, if you ain't affecting nobody and ain't influencing nobody, you can say anything you want to. And that's so-called freedom of speech. But when you tell the truth on this system, it makes them hate you. You understand? And, you know, another major point is that uh, this right, this justice they talk about, you know, and they talk about the justice of their system, of their courts, and all that. 
that's some more jive. That's another lack, you know, because the evidence of Mumia's innocence is so overwhelming that he should have been free a long, long time ago. So any system, any people who are really about justice, you know, would have set Mumia free, you know, and us who us us who love justice and love freedom, you understand, we must be inspired and mobilized and our souls must be set on fire, you understand, for, for our brother to be free, you know, and, you know, the struggle goes on, so we uh, reach out to people, we reach out to the masses, the zillions and zillions of our people out there in the listening audience to join the fight to free Mumiabu Jamal, to free them all. Free them all, free them all, free them all. Free them all, free them all, free them all. That's the call. Well, we leave, we leave you with some very important, powerful words from our brother in the show. Give the credit to this idea of this Kathy Hughes of Radio 1. She's like, Michael, it is time that you guys organize a fund to set aside to help people who sacrifice for our freedom. Meaning, we every time something happens, I hear this. Why don't the gang bangers jump up and do something for them? Why don't you kill them? You kill each other. And I say to myself, when is the last time you sent money to Asada Shakur? When is the last time you sent money to Matulu Shakur? When is the last time you sent money to Mamiya Abu-Jamal or Larry Hoover or Jeff Ford or Leonard Pelter? When is the last time you have made it your business to send money to a revolutionary or a hoodlum that has helped us? And until we start to do that, how can we ask these young men to be warriors? Because if they do it in the name of the hood, at least the hood going to honor their name always. At least the hood going to make sure at least their children got something or their mama's house is looked after as a community. If we're going to ask people to bungee jump for us with no cord, be prepared to take care of them when they get a life sentence. Be prepared to look after their families. See, I don't mind the work getting done, but let's take care of the workers. Let's stop asking more out of people than we would do for ourselves. So what I'd like to see, my dream thing, is to see one million people from the culture dedicate $10 a month. That's $10 million a month, $120 million a year, toward taking care of civil rights leaders who have worked on our behalf and are elderly now and don't have to take care of themselves, like Rosa Parks, whose rent was paid by the owner of, of, of um, Little Caesar's Pizza. We should have had a fund to make sure that she never had to worry about that again in her life. We should have a fund that makes sure money makes it to Asada Shakur, and Matulu Shakur has has, has legal has legal representation and food, and Leonard Pelcher, who has um, diabetes in jail, can get insulin taken care of. And until we start doing it, $10 a month is about what you pay on a couple fast food restaurant visits. So if a million of us do that for the rest of our life, look at how well we'll be taking care of the people that we're asking to sacrifice on our behalf. I agree, and uh, recently... And I have to give the credit to this... Up. You want to root the scripture every time you hear nigga, listen up, sister. I met up with this girl named Dolores, a prankster. I said I am MC. She said, 
cover gangsta, but she was for the hoop. She hit the floor like the break dance. Wrapped up a like the arm in the B-boy stance. Recognize mom, someone of your son. I'm hip-hop in the form of Channel 9. ARS 1. Representing MCs across America. She said, you're the one who be laws and all that mass hysteria. Please, this shall come out of the mouths of AIDS and something, but you're blinded by cultural ignorance and steady judging. But judge not. These he may be judged. For the judge be who judge. He shall surely be judged against the law. She said, I like it. That's why I then I said, you won't be on my back because I'm little brother's pockets. Got him driving Benzin, Jeeps, and Rolls Royces. Attacking me, but leave you with no voices. The choice is yours, not mine. Hang with me. I have you freestyle and bombing from BC. We can cut it up like wax. Claiming aqua's violent, but America was violent before rap. Facts.
Thank you for tuning in to the NEPPC podcast. That is the Northeast Political Prisoner Coalition podcast. If you really want to support the cause, please uh, donate any amount at uh, Cash App. That's uh, Sefu Sankofa, S-E-F-U-S-A-N-K-O-F-A. And you could call me at 347-679-3936. Again, that's 347-679-3936. Also email me at sefusankofa uh, at gmail. That's S-E-F-U-S-A-N-K-O-F-A at gmail.com. And also check out the website at www.northeastpoliticalprisonercoalition.wordpress.com. Thank you, and uh, please share with at least 10 people.